Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Alexander. This is the show all about commercial property investing for the private investor. For those of you who want to create great cash flow, no matter where you are in the world, this is aimed at both individuals just getting started in commercial property and those with a growing portfolio. Through interviews, hard-learned lessons and tips from professional investors, we want to give you a constant source of inspiration and up-to-date information on what has worked and what hasn't worked so you can make more informed decisions about your commercial real estate investments. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the show. I want to start with a big fat thank you. Our listening numbers are continuing to rise and it's really humbling to know that so many people are tuning into our wee niche podcast. I'm really excited about how this market is evolving with so, so many opportunities. Hopefully, we'll continue to pull back the covers on the trends and some of the how-tos in this lovely space. On today's short show, I want to cover something that's been bothering me a bit recently. I've heard it a few times. It goes something like this. Hey, I've just decided to set up a flexible space operation in a commercial building I've just bought. How hard can it be? Easy? Uh, No, it's not. Have you thought about all the disciplines that are required to bring that to market and to operate it? Do you really understand your local market demand? Does every site work? Well, no. And there's some reasons for that, of course. But do you know what they are? Now, I love flexible space. I'm really excited about the future. There's so much opportunity which has been profoundly affected and accelerated by the pandemic. The resulting changing business needs are quite complex compared to maybe a 20-year lease for four walls and a lockable door, which is where the commercial property market used to be. But there's so much opportunity now to do things differently. There's more sophisticated models and ways to enter the market. So it's not just about being a landlord. There are other ways of entering this market. Indeed, through partnerships as well, of course. So, for instance, an occupant... So we cut the landlord out of this for a second. It's just an occupant's taken over a space and they decide to sublet some of that to collaborative businesses. So they need somebody maybe to operate that space for them, but it's primarily for their own benefit, as it were, the occupant, not the landlord. Or maybe it's the landlord who's developing a mix of hotel space, workspace, gyms, various things. And all of these things are starting to merge and there's different ways of getting into an operating model, or indeed investing. And of course, there's corporate trends, which we've spoken about before in the podcast, and those more local demographic changes that are really helping create opportunities for new unencumbered entrants. So people who want to get into this market space. But if you're a more traditional investor, say you have a few residential properties right now, and then you decide to buy secondhand commercial property to split up into small units, have you really thought through all the different aspects, including things like internet provision, firewalls, property servicing, costs, pricing models, full all-encompassing contracts and licences? 
What about staffing? Size implications. For instance, is the building too big? Is it too small to operate successfully? What about building access systems, alarm systems, fire responsibilities, fire partitioning and fire alarm changes, compliance, all those sorts of lovely things. And once you've installed all, what about the ongoing monitoring of the alarm and the fire alarm? It's quite complex. And what about optimising layout design, community, that slightly less tangible building feel? In other words, does anyone actually want to work there? Stickiness, as I like to call it. What do you have to do to keep your customers? But I need to put it out there. We are fairly uncommon in the way that we do things. See, our business is both that landlord investor bit. We also do the fit out and design and we operate our spaces. And as Lucy mentioned on the podcast there last week, there are more and more entrants into this market who are landlord and operator, which is fantastic and something I'm actively encouraging. However, it's not easy. And over the last 18 years of offering flexible space, I've seen many new private landlords give it a go and then disappear. On this podcast, we do flip between those different disciplines and I'm making a real conscious effort to make sure I keep clarity at the centre of what I do here on the podcast. I don't want you to be given confusing information and then make any decisions based on snippets or any out-of-place context. So let's just remind ourselves of the differences between CMO and flexible space, and for that matter, co-working. We'll throw that in there too. CMO, as I like to say, or commercial multiple occupancy, is any commercial property shared between more than one tenant or a client. Depends what type of contract they've got as to whether they're a tenant or a client. They can be completely independent from one another, and they might have completely separate services. So let's say it's an industrial estate, you've got a row of 15 industrial units that are terraced, they all have their individual services, but ultimately it is a CMO because you are effectively investing in all 15, it's commercial multiple occupancy. There's the same land, car parking, there are some common spaces there. But it might be that you're using leases or a managed offering in those spaces, or it could be fully flexible in a CMO. You might go for flex space. So let's just talk about flex space. That generally is let out on a license, not on a lease. They have a license to occupy a certain space. They're shared and aggregated costs. They tend to get one bill from the operator or landlord. It's much more intensive management though. Walls can go up and they can come down. There's shared toilets, tea points and shared entrances. So there's some of the differences between CMO and the more intensive flex space. And then, of course, is the co-working term. And it's becoming an all-encompassing term now. It started out as, in my mind, one big space, a floor plate maybe, with some communal space there for toilets and entrance and, I guess, some of the utilities and stuff. But then, really, most of the workspace was open plan. There might have been some meeting rooms and the ability to maybe adapt those to do some venue and event stuff. But effectively, there wasn't really any private offices. Now co-working is encompassing, or that term is encompassing, more of what would have been traditionally called maybe a business centre. But it's also got the more traditional shared space. So you've really got this blend of private offices, shared open plan co-working space, and meeting rooms and all the different lovely stuff that you add on around and about. And it did start out, as I say, as a more simple process, but now those things are all blending. But effectively, commercial multiple occupancy covers a much wider breadth of customer types and locations, whereas the flex space 
It's more about customer service. And of course, there's a higher margin there because of that. And about delivering a product that's more flexible for the occupant, whether that's changing the size of space, shorter term contracts, including all the costs, internet, all the services all in one. But to me, there are four key disciplines or professions that you need to think about here when you're talking about, oh, I'm just going to buy a building and put in a CMO or put in flexible space. So let's take it extreme for a moment. Let's say you're about to invest your pension into a commercial property. Now, that is the first skill, investing the pension. But what about design? What about development? What about compliance? And then the trading business, if you decide to do flex space, that has sales, marketing, admin and ongoing compliance. Being both landlord and operator brings a unique set of considerations and sometimes opportunities. But these things are tax, there's risk, spending, staffing. They all play a part in this combined offer or business. And it's fine getting financial advice or even if you're in the UK, SAS pension advice, which is not necessarily investment advice, along with commercial property investing advice and then making decisions on properties. But being a flexible space operator is quite different, entirely different. But combine it with sophisticated property investing and developing, and now you have a tangled web of decisions that can be complex and very expensive if you get it wrong. So I just want to go through those four different disciplines, right? The first one for me is the investing piece. It's where you've been investing in resi or whatever you've been doing, and now you want to start investing in commercial. And there is a set of skills that you need to do that. It's finding opportunities. It's knowing what to buy and, of course, what not to buy. It's raising finance. It's clearing all the different things that you need to do on the legals and everything else and doing the deal. And that's great. And that's investing. And if you're looking at investment grade property, it's because it's got a tenant in it. It's got an income. You're buying the income. You still have to go through all the legal stuff, of course. But if you then want to actually be a little bit more active and buy an existing building and develop it, now you need to move on to the next skill set, which is design. It's layout design and including the offer. What about the offer design? And I mean the real design to make it work. Will customers stay? Is it sticky? Is it super efficient? Does it suit ongoing trends? And what about day-to-day operations and design ideas required to make sure everything flows? The more you go down the flex route, the more you need to think about building in stickiness, flow and efficiencies so that your customer experience is really good, but it's also profitable. The third part after design is the actual redevelopment work. There's a little bit of element of design, of course, but have you really thought through the compliance issues? Because it depends on what your offer is going to be. If it's going to be flex space where walls are coming up and down, that will have certain implications on fire regulations and also the management of the building because there's maybe one management company rather than lots of individual tenants managing their own specific spaces, which might be in the more least offer that you might have in a CMO. So have you really thought through these things? What about fireproofing? What about the security? Toilet provision. Is the toilet provision for everybody? Um, communal or is it just for the individual units and with the right architect you should have all of these boxes ticked of course but if you're building for flex there are a whole heap of other considerations to make sure it'll work the last piece here is the operator bit and a flex space needs an operator it needs an operator to deliver on the customer service 
This is the serviced apartments offer for office space. It's the hospitality from the hotel sector. In short, it's a business and not a space with a few desks and an invoice at the end of each month. It's about providing something that customers will repeatedly buy from you, will stay with you and will recommend you to other people. And they've got the flexibility and all the less tangible stuff going on around about it. But be honest with yourself. Where are your gaps in those four disciplines? Are you good at investing? Are you good at design? What about redevelopment work and all the compliance issues and fire and all those sorts of things? Or actually, have you got a good hospitality background? Could you be good? Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying, I'm not a SAS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SAS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SAS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances, and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SAS discovery call with Bryn. At operating this business. Now, as I said at the start, we're kind of unique in that we've kind of grown into most of those but a lot of people tend to approach it from one or another, not necessarily with the breadth. And over time, of course, you can learn these skills. But it's important to have a think about where you're coming from and making sure you're not blinded to the other aspects that you're going to need to fill in. So you need to get those disciplines filled in where you've got gaps. And starting in a business vehicle that's missing one or two wheels is going to make for a really bumpy ride if you don't do something about it. So let me just give you one example here. Services, right? Under a flexible model, you will probably just keep single supply points. So utilities for like water, electric, all these things, you'll just keep one supplier. But with a CMO, you might need to completely separate out all the services so each tenant is responsible for their own. Imagine running separate meters internally. So you keep one supplier and you've got separate meters internally and the business leaves you overnight. And maybe it's been an industrial unit that you split into four industrial units, but you didn't actually put in separate services. And you're on the hook. You're in the, the line here for paying the utility company. And that business disappears overnight and you're left with potentially thousands of pounds of unpaid utilities. Who's paying for that? If you decide to split the services out to try and overcome that issue, then how long is that going to take and how expensive will it be? Utility companies are good at being a pain in the bum. Taking forever and choosing the kind of the finger in the ear pricing method seems to be the only thing that they do. But compliance begins at the feasibility stage, not after the redevelopment stage. It determines your potential offer and contract type. So you have to think these things through. Services. Am I going to do it individually or am I going to do it so that we actually take care of the services? The flex offer, the CMO offer, what is it you actually you're going to provide and where are the gaps? So you see the decisions that you make about your offer type have ramifications right back at the start of the redevelopment. And I don't want to put you off, but I want to be honest with you. It's not simple. I would say choose your lane. Make sure you get help for the areas where there's gaps and learn as you go. The secret is being able to know the overall picture and to be able to ensure your vehicle, your business vehicle, has a solid foundation with at least four wheels. So before you make that decision to just buy a commercial property and subdivide it into lots of little units 
and do a flexible space offering, think through those four key areas. Investing, you may know that. Design, making sure the design works for an operator, particularly if you're the operator. The redevelopment work, what are the implications on that end goal or that end use on your redevelopment work, including fireproofing and all these sorts of things. It takes time to learn all this stuff. Of course it does. But it's just remembering the context, investing, design, redevelopment, operation. They're all interconnected and they all have a bearing on what your decisions are as you go through this process. So I hope I haven't put you off because flexible space is an amazing market, but you just need to have your eyes open when you're going into it. If you haven't had a chance yet, then check back some of the previous podcast episodes that we've done for more information on some of these key elements. There are episodes out there about investing. There are episodes about design, redevelopment and operations. We haven't, of course, covered everything in there, but it's a start. It'll give you somewhere where you can start filling in the blanks. Now, one last thing. Can I ask a favour of you, please? Pretty please. Could you make my day and leave a positive review on iTunes or your podcast platform so that we can spread the word and reach more people? You see, in turn, that means we can get lots more lovely guests on the show and learn more together. So it just remains for me to say have a great week and enjoy yourself out there in the commercial swim. enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be a first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.